0: the story
2: it's been a roller coaster ride I really understand what Jesus went through being persecuted by half the people and loved by the other half
3: we kind of had at least two levels of government trying to close it down we had a Christian school take us to playing an environment court cause we didn't want us in that backyard yeah it was really <laughs> been quite traumatic in the last five years.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Jason and Lisa Lokes started off as just your ordinary, average church-going folk. But then God tugged their hearts and led them to become involved in helping homeless people. They are now the founders and general managers of Sheltered by Grace, a homeless shelter located south of Brisbane. They'll share their story today and how the Lord led them to start the shelter. Jason and Lisa are having a chat with Shelley Scowen.
1: Tell us about what you guys actually do. I mean, when people come, obviously you provide a bed and, you know, accommodation for them. What do they do during the day? What other things do you provide for them?
2: Well, normally they come with no money to start with. So we help them around with finances in their life and helping them access emergency relief funding or money from Centrelink, etc. Um Clothing, obviously. Um, we've just opened up an op shop, so... Um, if we don't have it at the shelter, we can actually give them a nice experience and go through the shop and actually um, pick out clothes they want or need for themselves. Um, we do on-site case management. So we our plans are different to not all case management, but a number of them out there where it's their case plan. So they have ownership over it and it's what they want to do with their life, get themselves back on track. Mm, we obviously great. help them organise their medication. The list is just so long of... Um, people with high needs of what they really are looking for to get their honest help. So um, we do a detox program on site now for a month. Um, Look, there's just heaps. We really do specialise around mental health. So getting those important contacts back and getting them back in their medication, getting everything Webster-packed and up to, you know, state and local laws, Um, it's very time-consuming, yeah.
3: We're also just about to go into um, a number of new programs where... Some of our um, students and volunteers will take sort of a session each, you know, throughout the week. So they'll be doing things like crafts or games or go out and play a game of cricket or, you know, some physical fitness, that kind of thing. So we're planning on doing quite a bit more of, of that cooking during the day, um, yeah, to keep people organo- you know, um, interested and in
2: actually doing something.
1: Yeah, and you're giving people some vocational skills too, I believe.
2: Absolutely, yeah. We help them get um, food safety handling licences or food supervisors' safety handling licences. Or they can volunteer and get some retail skills at the op shop.
1: Wow. Yeah, so really providing so many opportunities for these people to help them get back on their own feet. You, you know, you're not just providing somewhere for them to sleep, but you're really helping them to get out of this situation that they're in.
3: That's right. Yeah. And we've had we have had some success in the last um, couple of years with people that have actually helped into their own property when they're ready. Um, so we'll help them set up. You know, get a tenancy or move on or share accommodation, and then we'll help them um, actually you know set set the place up and we have actually been finding quite a few clients who want to come back and volunteer and mm. give back some of their time once they've actually come out the other end.
2: You, they usually make our best volunteers, the people that have been there done
3: that. Yeah. So, yeah. They can relate,
1: definitely. Mm. A lot of success stories. Are there any particular ones that stand out to you of um, people that have, you know, really transformed through what you're doing?
2: Yep. I've got one poor lady that's um, uh, had an epilepsy all her life and the only thing that ever worked for her was um, um, smoking pot. And the government's finally doing trials into this because they know the links, actually. It can help. And just, I managed to go with the doctor with her about a year ago and the doctor said, yeah, she's on the most, the highest strength of all the medication that we known to try to stop these um, uh, fits that she's having and nothing's working for her. Anyway, um, just through the power of prayer and I said, well, how do we actually help her get off the pot at least? so we've been slowly making sure that she comes off it. Um, She hasn't been on pot now for 18 days straight. That's the longest um, since she's been 11 years of age. Wow. Um, And uh, where she was having two or three fits every day when she came in, she's only had one fit in that last 16 days. So that shouldn't be happening. She should be having more fits. That's just a lovely miracle of God. Um, Another lady, um, 68-year-old lovely Indigenous lady, um, has been hooked on... You know, all type of drugs over years and the latest one's ice, obviously. And she's now six and a half weeks clean off ice. And, um, she made the second person that's ever been in our shelter actually donated money. So one of our clients donated money to our building program. Wow. Yeah. She's lovely. We've, um, people, um, four or five months ago that have done a detox program, they're leading the detox program now. Um, just lots of miracles. Really cool stuff.
1: It's that kind of thing that keeps you going every day, hey? Uh,
2: yes, it does. We, we do have some crappy days, so yeah, stuff like that's amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you'd be up against many, many challenges, uh, physical and <laughs> emotional and, and everything. Uh, there would be a lot of challenges, but to see the difference that you're making in these people's lives, it is just incredible. You guys were just your normal, ordinary, church-going folk just a few years ago, and then uh, God, I guess, tapped you on the shoulder and whispered in your ear that uh, he wanted you to get involved in uh, the homeless uh, ministry. How did you actually come to this point of setting up Sheltered by Grace?
2: Um, He actually told us something really big. He said, go house the world. Mm -hmm. And
3: I went, Okay. There was probably a number of things leading up to it. One was we had a really good friend of ours, um, back when we were just newly married, um, and he had a couple of young kids. He was in his mid 40s at the time, and his wife was kind of verbally abusing the girls. So his children. So we, you know, he felt, I've got to take the children away from this. So they separated.
2: And the daughter actually said, I'm going to go on the street. Yeah, the daughter was, you know, Said so I can't handle it anymore. I'm going way. to go live
3: on the streets. So mm-hmm. he had, I mean, you had to do something. But he basically struggled. He was out of work. He'd been quite high up in a number of you know, sales roles and was redundant. Um, so you know, didn't have a, an income. Was really difficult for them. And he basically got told that there was no help available. So you know, that was kind of our introduction to the big bad world of you know welfare and support and all. Sorts yeah. Of
1: things.
3: Um, and then alongside that, I was working across government agencies um, in recruitment and doing work with Department of Housing, with the City Council, Office of Fair Trading, and seeing, you know, the closing down of boarding houses at the time, um, money being tipped into some of the big projects that it wasn't self-sustainable, um, People, uh, government's going, what are we going to do about homelessness, and there was no win-win-win solution. So back then, we kind of thought, well, there's got to be a better affordable housing solution. We were quite focused on affordable housing back then. But um, once we started um, along our track, it became, you know, our original vision was we would create them and get another organization to run it. But God had other plans. So <laughs> we um, we ended up having to run as well as um, build our first project.
1: Mm. Yeah. Which, coming That's, from that building background, as you are saying that it used to be your business, was setting up these uh, containers, which yeah. is obviously the hand of God uh, preparing you for that. But it's all the other stuff that goes along with setting up the shelter. I mean, there must have been a pretty massive learning curve for you.
2: We had that lovely business background, but my background was being an electrician. I actually had to become a builder um, to follow God's path of housing the world because I didn't know. I had an idea, but I didn't really know how to build. So... Yeah, we've been following God now for well ever since we became Christians really, haven't we? Mm.
3: Yeah, and
2: it's, yeah, look, it's been a, a roller coaster ride, really has. Um, I really understand what Jesus went through, being persecuted by half the people um, around him and, and loved by the other half. Yeah,
3: but... I mean, we really had a tough time setting it up. We were really naive coming into it. You know, we assumed that we'd get help and government would support us and Community would support us, but it certainly wasn't wasn't like that. We kind of had at least two levels of government trying to close us down. We had a Christian church, uh, Christian school, take us to playing an environment because we didn't want us in their backyard. We had death threats and stalkers from the locals, you know, against our own personal family. So we had to move around quite a bit. Um, yeah, it was really <laughs> been quite traumatic, you know, the last five years.
2: Uh, personally, personally, we had to pay a very, very high price. But um, i tell you what, it's so worth it when you get a um, um, couple of people off drugs. I'm, the guy that's leading a detox program, 29 years he's been detected to methamphetamines. And he's been free now for five months and leading mm. the program. I love it. I, I feel sorry for the people that haven't followed God's calling on their hearts. Because i tell you what, I, I get to see miracles every day. I really do, and it's so cool. Yeah.
1: like you say the sacrifice has been pretty massive but doing the will of God you know that's the best place to be is in the center of his will hey
2: yeah so yeah our plan is not just to housing 12 people or house 48 is actually there to actually end homelessness in australia and it's not rocket science all we got to do is build more housing stock every year than the homeless get created it's only about 1200 uh, beds we need to create every year and we'll start breaking even. You start building two or 3,000 beds every year and we actually start bringing the numbers down. Wow. It's, it's just such a... And it's great for the economy too because here we are, we're stimulating the building industry, especially in Queensland at the moment where it's done to slow down. But it's also
3: about saving money, from, you know, like you said before, from people who are in the hospital you know, in the hospital system, in the jail system um, because um, that's all they know. You know, if we can start to, to break some of those Things down, then we can
2: actually save government money from welfare. Oh, definitely. Like, most people don't realise there's a real value. Like, it actually costs society about $36,000 a year to have a homeless person sleeping on the street because they'll be in and out of jail, in and out of hospital, and in and out of different government services. And that $36,000 is very, very conservative. In the US, they put that value over $200,000 a year wow. to have one homeless person living on the street. That's so, incredible. Uh, if we house them, clothe them, feed them, and get them back on their feet, usually twelve to eighteen month period, and and we do that for about twelve grand.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with Jason and Lisa Lokes, the founders and general managers of Sheltered by Grace, a homeless shelter located just south of Brisbane. We'll hear more about their heart for helping people who are homeless when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call one pray for me That's one 772 936 It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with Shelley and chatting with Jason and Lisa Lokes, the founders and general managers of Sheltered by Grace, a homeless shelter located just south of Brisbane. And as we've been hearing, they really have a heart for helping people who are homeless. Next, Jason and Lisa will share more about the practical ways they've been helping and some of the challenges they've faced.
1: When you say, though, you want to expand throughout Australia, that's a pretty full-on thought, and I guess it means you've got to find equally passionate people that have the means and and whatever to be able to catch the vision and uh, continue what you're doing.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
3: I think, you know, through our learnings and where we've been through, we actually would be – we can shortcut what what we've been through and actually help people do it easier, do it quicker, do it, you know – Differently, because we've got the systems and the processes now, and we know the way to
2: get through some of that and to to get up quicker. Mm. Um, And that's all about speed. Like, we took eight years from when we wanted to do something to actually building the shelter, and that's really quick. Another one of my uh, associates in this industry in Queensland took him 22 years to build a shelter from when he went, yep, we're going to do this, to 22 years. Wow. So town planning laws in Australia have got to change, We've got to we've got to actually get government more focused on the very part. The very first part uh, is actually housing people first that have social issues, and then start meeting those social issues around case management and everything else. It's just it's just the worst thing to ever see. A homeless person living on the street, and they've got six government six different government agencies trying to help that person. That person can't get a decent sleep. He can be angry, aggressive, uh, cranky. He's not going to be in the frame of mood to talk to another government official. Mm. And and they just walk away then. Yeah.
1: yeah, and obviously you've got some very practical ideas there of uh, how you could see change as well. You mentioned when, when when you were setting it up that there was that much opposition. And it is a bit of a general thing. There is a stigma towards homeless people mm. in Australia. Mm what are some of just the causes of homelessness? Because everyone says, don't be too quick to judge homeless people. Tell us about some of the real-life stories that you've encountered of people that have become homeless through basically no fault of their own.
2: Oh, look, we've had every walk of life. Um, truck drivers are under massive pressure to um, deliver on time always, right? Um, there's machinery, there's lights, there's so many obstacles in their way of seeing like clockwork and getting stuff delivered on, a, on an open road that's gazetted for everybody to travel. Um, one of the biggest industries for a long time is people using speed as truck drivers. Now the choice of drugs that's more accessible is um, obviously methamphetamines, which is um, ice. Um, it's it's so unfair to those people that have have to do night shifts. Be of, of such good quality of, of competence to drive these trucks at the road speeds and not injure anybody, and and to be flawless on it—it's just it's an unreal expectation. We have maybe ten percent of all industries would be people who are driving trucks in my shelter.
3: Because we see the you know the caprice slope, it might start with loss of jobs and then loss of um, relationship breakdown. Um, then there's you know no money. They may start using their recreational drugs more often.
2: Yeah. Um, alcohol, are worse. So you'll you'll find a lot of people have become homeless, uh, turned to alcohol because that was their their, 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 their recreational drug, yeah. for around friends or family, etc. And and they, they self medicate when you're down the dumps. You want to have a drink to make yourself happy. So then that becomes a real crutch and very hard um, once you become homeless because you've lost your job and you're drinking to actually get back on your feet again. Um, and you know, that sense of hopelessness, that takes a while for us to break that down mm. and then give them hope again.
3: Mental health is oh. another huge yeah. issue. We have a lot of people All present of them. with, well yeah, whether they started with mental health or they you know, through homelessness acquired a mental health disease. You know, um, But mental health is a huge a huge
2: thing. We, we, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, we closed down just about every mental health institution we have in Queensland and put these people that are at risk of harming themselves out in the community with almost no help um, from government agencies. Um, they're lucky if they get to see them once a month for an hour. Um, we'll, most of these times we'll have these people come in. They're not on any medication, they haven't seen a social worker for years because they travel from one state to another or just one city to another. The system can't cope and see where they are. Um, That's not cracks. It's just grand canyons of of these people. And it's Mm. the poorest thing we've ever done is close down these institutions and put them in the community and let them just roam around with no no medication, no help, and no even just mental cognitive therapy training where they can teach themselves to get better and how to deal with their mental health issues without drugs. Just nothing.
3: We have um, at least one client who will all, or two, we have a couple of clients who've been with us long term and will just always need some kind of supported accommodation. You know, they have their good and bad days, but they just need someone to go, hey, it's time to take your meds. Hey, have you eaten today? Or oh, it's time to have a shower. You know, there's a lot of people like that out there
1: yeah you've obviously identified a lot of needs and I'm sure you're doing what you can to lobby the government to see things changed as well. That's one of the things about you guys being on the front line is that you can see the very real needs and the human face of those needs as well and uh, you're coming up with some great ideas to help it. And of course you're being part of the solution as well. It's not like you're just sitting around saying oh the government needs to do something when you guys are really you're you know right there on the front line and uh, you've sacrificed a lot of your own resources. Uh, and a lot of yourselves to get out there and, and help the cause as well. Mm. You've raised a lot of interesting points. If people want to find out more, you do have a lot of information on your website. I was really impressed, actually, of just the the amount of information that you've actually got there. Um, sbg.org.au, short for Sheltered by Grace. That's sbg.org.au if you want to find out more about this great homeless shelter in Brisbane. And of course, looking to go national too. So I'm sure you guys would be very keen to uh, hear from people that are feeling God's call to uh, perhaps start something like this in their area.
2: Absolutely. Or if anyone's a millionaire to dig deep and actually give us some funds or, or some concrete or better blocks so we can start building the next stage, that'd be nice to get
3: yeah. some social, you know, people out for social change who just like the fund know the change, and really see a difference, and make an impact.
2: I mean, we we come from both business backgrounds, so it just makes sense to us that whatever housing, that needs to be able to be done inside these people's pensions. And no one seems to have ever looked at this, they've always, housing and models that cost them, it's similar people that we house with mental health issues, our government system puts them in a, in a five or six bedroom home, and it costs two and a half grand a week to house one of those individuals in that home.
3: Yeah, and
1: yeah. you guys have found some pretty cost-effective ways to do it as oh, well, which is just cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah, some great information there. Uh, you can donate. You can look at volunteering if you're in the area. You can, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of ways to get involved. At sbg.org.au to get in touch with Jason and Lisa Lokes uh, from Sheltered by Grace. Thanks so much for having a chat with us today. It's been a real insight.
3: Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. Time.
0: That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Jason and Lisa Lokes, the founders and general managers of the Sheltered by Grace Homeless Shelter. And as Shelley just mentioned, you can find out more about their ministry at their website, which is simply sbg.org.au. SBG, of course, stands for Sheltered by Grace. And once again, that's sbg.org.au. And finally, we'll end today with these Bible verses. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. And the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. All encouraging verses about helping the less fortunate from the book of Proverbs. Well, thanks for joining us for Jason and Lisa Lokes sharing their story and their heart for helping people who are homeless. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. The last tour we did was in Mackay. We did all these tours and that was massive party life. I'm talking like countless nights, no sleep, like three, four, five nights, no sleep, Um, traveling, smoking weed, drinking, taking uppers, You know, police were called, often like damaged hotel rooms, stuff like that. And then I came home from that tour and I said to mum, mum, I'm done. I don't want to go back to music anymore. It's not what I thought it would be. It's empty. I'm empty. In 2002, Joseph Byro became the lead singer for his favourite band, Super Heist. They appeared to be on the verge of international fame when everything came crashing down. Joseph says he tried to fill an emptiness in his life with drugs and the rock star lifestyle. We'll find out how God set him free next time. The Story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.